Welcome to the Life is Relationships podcast, where we share biblical truths about marriage, parenting, and discipleship. The desire of CTCI is to see the hearts of individuals and families restored in their relationship to the Father, and for them to be empowered to have thriving, godly relationships that impact the communities around them. I'm your host, AJ Selby. And on today's episode, we have Susan Pons joining us for part two of our conversation from last week. Susan will be sharing with us about covering and what that can look like in all the seasons spanning a lifetime, from the conception of a child to our final days. Take a listen. Well, hi, Miss Susan. Thank you so much for coming back and joining us again. It's wonderful to be here, AJ. We had a previous conversation about covering and what that looks like to be walked out in our world today and how really it, it really comes down to walking in a relationship with the Lord. And I just wanted to kind of continue that conversation. And I know that we talked about it in relation to our relationship with the Lord, with our spouses, and or singular spouse. We don't have multiple spouses. <laughs> and then also, um, even in the workplace, um, can you just kind of continue that conversation uh, with us? I know that you have so much more to share about this particular topic and why it matters today. Well, um, the lack of covering, let's say, AJ, that uh, it has made its way into the work world, into the church, into our families, and we have lost um, the beauty that God intended for male and female. I think that um, in in the concept of covering, in the really the commandment of covering, that we have to find where we belong in that. And so, what I would like to do today is just show how covering begins at life and take us through the different stages of life where covering is so important all the way uh, to death and our responsibility of covering in, in each aspect that I've come up with. Yeah, I'm, I'm very eager to, to hear. Your, I mean, you're already talking about essentially from, from life to death, there are different seasons of covering and what that looks like for us. So yeah, right. go ahead and, and, and kick us off. Okay. Well, the truth of the matter is covering begins in the womb at the very beginning of life. The word woman is a combination of the word womb and man. And uh, I can remember... I was driving on Peachtree Street in Atlanta in 1972 when the, the entire uh, shift began with Road versus Wade. And I remember thinking, now I was not walking and living in the Lord at that time, but when it came over the radio, I thought, well, that's, that doesn't sound right. And it all began in a very deceptive manner. They began it in case it affected the life of the mother. Well, my mother had had a miscarriage when I was seven years old, and it was a very sad thing. And the phrase then was, they had to take the baby because my, mother's, my mother probably would have died. 
And so I couldn't understand why this new law had been passed because it had always been in place, but it changed our world. And uh, so the phrase began to come out, it's nothing but a fetus. It's nothing but a fetus. But fetus is a Latin word. Uh, The word itself is derived from the Latin word that means little one. So they never came out and said, oh, it's nothing but a little one. And um, even at that stage in my life, I knew that something was not right in that. But to get back to covering, it begins in the womb. The womb is meant to be a place where nourishment, growth, protection, and just the dreaming and the concept of godly offspring is to begin. Unfortunately, in our nation, since I rode down that road in Atlanta, we have aborted over 64 million babies in the United States. We have put Hitler, we have put Stalin, Mao, you name them. We, as a nation, have put them all to shame. But who will fight for them? Will you? Will I? The next stage of covering comes just when our little ones begin to walk, to learn to be trained. This can be the stage where tantrums can begin in our children. This is also a stage where um, we find now in our nation that strange men can be coming into our houses or strange women. And these little ones begin to think this is normal rather than having a a mother and a father, to know the strong protective arms of a daddy and a loving, caring hands of a mama, not those of a boyfriend in their home or anyone who would violate that wonderful experience of being a little girl or a little boy. Just a few years back, I went down to the school our children had attended And uh, there was a line of teachers standing out where these children were being picked up after school. And one of the teachers said to me, said, Ms. Ponce, you don't realize what we have to go through now just to let a child in a car after school. It has to be a permission for the either the father that's estranged from the family or still seeing his children, or it, it could be a boyfriend or an, a girlfriend. It could be the grandparents. It could be a cousin and uncle. And she said, some of these kids have lists, seven and eight long, who can pick them up on what day? And it's made it a very complicated and difficult um, chore, to say the least, for, for teachers. That's so but sad. It, yes, it really is. So that was just never heard of in my growing up years, or really in your generation of raising our, our children. That was a, somewhat of a foreign concept and a foreign happening. 
But covering is very important during those years of school years. Those are the years where if we are in a Christian home, that we begin to hear devotions in the evening. We begin to hear Bible stories. We end our days with um, just a prayer and a song. And that may sound very elementary, but there's so many children who go to bed now alone without the covering of their parents or the covering of the last part of the day being in the Lord and to know just that peace that our homes should be covered in. The next stage is one, (laughs) the teen years and the importance of covering in the teen years. I told the story before about the highway patrol. My mother sent the highway patrol out looking for me. Um, And Mrs. James. Yes, and Mrs. (laughs) James taking a flashlight down to the river where kids were parking and shining it in different cars to see if her daughter was one of them in in those cars. (laughs) They're stories we can all laugh about now, but it was really the— just the revelation that in many ways we were being covered not only at home, but even at school. I remember uh, my husband, he wasn't my husband then, but Larry got sent home because he did not wear socks. Now, imagine, (laughs) just imagine that today in what we allow the kids to come dressed in or dressed out of. Yeah. it's, it's, we've lost our covering in just about every aspect of life. And I know at church, uh, in my growing up years, when we went to church, you know, the women wore hats. And I never thought about it then, but that was a, that was kind of a sign of, of covering. But uh, there was covering at church. I know one of the most embarrassing things I had to go through as a, a teenager was it was a um, Easter Sunday, and it, we had waved our palms. The choirs had gone down the aisles waving their palms. Well, we choir girls started snickering in the choir loft, and in our church, the adult choir faced the junior choir, and my mother, unfortunately for me, was in the adult choir. Uh-oh. And so we started singing, you know, Christ the Lord is risen today. Well, we girls started laughing in the middle of it. And I I remember looking at the preacher, and he was just staring down into his lap. And by the time I sat down, I could see my mother boring holes through me. <laughs> but after the service, she met me. And took me, I call it the collar way of uh, discipline. She took me around that church to the front door. I had to apologize to the preacher. I thought that was going to be enough, but no. She took me down the aisle to the choir director and the organist. I had to apologize to them. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, this was between sobbing and crying on my part, but I got in the car and 
I remember it was the first time I had worn one-inch heels. I called them my one-inch high heels. And I got in the car and I said, well, at least I got to wear my high-low heels. And my daddy turned around and grinned at me and he said, Susan, you walked like you were walking through a dodging cow stuff in a cow pasture. (laughs) But, you know, that was a covering. I did not, I don't recall misbehaving to that degree uh, in church again. But, you know, that parents would see what was wrong in their children and not just, oh, my child is just this God's gift to the world. No, I didn't grow up in those kind of years. And so covering was very important in those teen years. Um, I think the teenage years should be years where our children, our teens do go out and have fun, but they know they better be looking over their shoulders to see if anyone was is looking. And we've lost that because many parents, and I'm not saying all parents, they're wonderful parents out there. But as a culture, we're not uh, teaching our children and expecting them to learn the difference in right and wrong. But who will cover them? Will you? Will I? So as young adults going off to college, as long as you're doing well spiritually, morally, and academically, guess what? You get to go back the next semester. And these were boundaries that uh, my parents failed to put around my sisters and I, and we went to college to have a good time, and we did. But... When our children came along, we remembered, we remembered the sacrifices our parents made. And so our children had boundaries put around them when they went to college, but it they had wonderful college years with boundaries around them. And uh, I remember one of my sisters telling about when she took her boys to college that they had a bar set up in the hallway to welcome the freshmen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah, and this was that this was at a, a Christian college that had been Christian years before. So, and I say these things not to be negative, but just to say how important covering is and how important it is for parents to know what they've sent their children into. And um, as one mother said, she said, I feel like that I've sent my child off to a (laughs) hellhole. And so it depends on how we look at it. But there is covering that needs to be um, exercised, even when our children go off to college. And then the next stage of life is one that we love to be a part of here at Christian Training Center, and that's marriage. And to learn to have counseling before marriage, to learn what marriage really means in the Lord's eyes and the importance that it it is so important that it's compared to Christ and the church. No other, no apostleship, no prophets, no anything that we can come up and applaud can be compared 
with Christ and the church, as Ephesians 5 so wonderfully states. So as I entered the world of marriage, I believe my husband and I both thought, well, this is just a continuation of life and we'll just do it. And that the Lord would not allow that to just happen in our lives. And he sent us four children in 38 months, which can happen (laughs) if you have twins. And we didn't know we were going to have twins the last time around. But we had to get serious with God and learn so many things about covering our home, covering our children, the covering in their schools uh, that we sent them to, and all of these wonderful experiences that life can give with covering. And then, um, last of all, AJ, is uh, the experience when our parents grow older. No one trains us how to go through these kind of experiences in life. But I remember uh, my father became, he accidentally connected two loose wires on his big tractor (laughs) and it jump-started and ran over him. And for the next three years, it was watching a giant oak tree going down because it had obviously injured his at first we thought he was going to be okay but he developed parkinson's and it was a very difficult time but what we learned in it was that my father needed covering going through this experience he needed covering in the hospital he needed covering when the doctors came to us and said look we're going to we think it's best for him to go to a nursing home for 2 weeks and to see if we can't get his body built up again he didn't want to go and we didn't want to send him there but my sisters and I decided for his sake we would do that but i want to tell you of an experience i had there when I went to see him one day, he was in a a private room. There was a bathroom and then another private room next to him. And my father was pretty well bedridden at that time, except when they got him up for exercise. But there was a woman in the room uh, adjoining his. And so I, we heard her crying out. And my father said, Susie, go in there and see see what, if she needs something. So I walked in there and there was this precious old woman lying in the bed with the telephone on her chest. And she looked at me and I looked at her. At first, I didn't know what to say. And she looked at me and she said, my son, I know my son's going to call me anytime. I know he is. And I said, well, Miss." I, I'm sure he will. She said, he will. Well, this went on every time I went to see my father. I would go in and speak to her. Every time she had the telephone on her chest waiting for her son to call. Well, the day came. I went to see my father, went into his room, and she wasn't there. The telephone was lying on her bed. So I ran out to the nurse's station and I said, where's Mrs. 
And they said, we're sorry. She passed away last night. And I looked at them and I said, did her son ever call? And one of the nurses said, no, he never called. And I wondered at that time, was he sitting there across from the lawyer when the will was read? Mm. But he never called her mother. She never had a visitor that whole time. And another story that happened here in Franklin, uh, I had a friend and she and her husband flipped houses. And so she saw this old house near town and she went up to it. And the door was partially opened, and she opened the door, and there was this old man just walking around. And she said, is this your house? And all he said was no. And she said, well, I'm sorry, and she left. Two weeks later, she went back, and that old man was lying in bed with flies and all kinds of things swarming on him. He had no one. He had no covering to help him in those latter days. Now, I don't know his story, but I don't know if he had children. I don't know. We don't know that. But you can't help but stop and wonder, was there no one to care for this dear man? So in the process of death, um, with my father, we we learned a lesson. With Larry's father, who had been estranged, From his family, we learned that his last 13 years, he lived a few months shy of 100 and lived with us and and Larry's mother as well. My mother died at a young age, and so it wasn't our privilege to care for her. But the whole concept of covering begins in the womb, and it is to It is to follow us. It is to follow our children. It is to follow for those who need us. It is to follow us when we have a responsibility before the Lord to make sure that our parents and our loved ones are covered in death as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it paints such a, such a different perspective of what it looks like to walk through life, not just in submitting to covering, but to be a covering and not even just, I would venture to even say, even uh, not solely within our own family, but even like the gentleman that you said that your friend found in the house. Yes. Was there no one? It's, it really does come down to us as believers to be a covering for one another. Absolutely. Not just within our marriages, yes. but to each other. And so there's so much to think about in everything that you just said. Well, it is just such a need. And it's, I believe it will take a revival or I don't know what. I remember Billy Graham making this quote. He said, if God doesn't judge America... He will have to go back and apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And regretfully so, I feel like that's where our nation is now. That will we put Sodom and Gomorrah to shame 
And we have in many aspects of this great and wonderful country that we live in and that was formed with a, in a covenant with God. Now, up to now, has God broken his covenant with us? I can't answer that, but I know this. I believe, America, we really are in the process of breaking our covenant with God. Mm. Wow. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming and sharing again today. We really appreciate every opportunity we get to talk with you. Well, thank you so much for having me and, and my stories of life. <laughs> you have some of the best stories of life that I can I could sit and listen to you and Larry and Sally all day. Well, you're very kind. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, AJ. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one, and we would love if you left us a review. For more information about CTCI and our upcoming programs, be sure to check out ctcilife.org. This podcast is a production of Christian Training Center International, It is produced by A.J. Selby, Rebecca Wall, and Seth Stradling. It is edited, mixed, and mastered by A.J. Selby.